What is up, Miami Hurricanes football fans? We are back with another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a new era here. If, if you missed the last podcast, we said our goodbyes to Andrew Ivins, who is moving on from the podcast now that he's taking on other responsibilities at 24-7 Sports. And so in this podcast, we are welcoming Christopher Stock, who's going to be co-hosting the show with me. And we're going to jump into some spring football thoughts with that right around the corner. But first, let's say hi to Chris. I'm excited to get this podcast rolling with you, man. Um, I think, you know, everyone on Inside the U obviously is familiar with you and your work. Um, but maybe just introduce yourself, gives a little, give a little bit about your background uh, for the podcast listeners that might be unfamiliar at this point. Yeah, definitely. First off, thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to it. I, I guess the biggest thing, yeah, I, I started covering the team in 2003, covered the team since. Um, we started Inside the U together in 07. So yeah, it's been a lot of coverage over the years. I try to do as much as I can on the football, baseball, and basketball teams and and sprinkle in some recruiting as well, um, attending high school uh, you know, showcases and high school football events and and actually basketball and baseball too. So I try to do as much as I can. Um, it's obviously been a, a big part of my life for the last nearly 20 years. So definitely enjoy, you know, covering the hurricanes and, and I've always been just really thankful and, and of all the support that, that everyone has given us over the years, especially early on and, and everything we've been able to do moving forward. And I think one thing we've always tried to do is always evolve and, and emerge and, and continue to do new things. And, and I think that's one thing that that's been exciting with, things we've done it inside the U and uh, as we continue to move forward. So definitely looking forward to talking about the Miami Hurricanes and, and there's plenty to talk about. I know fans are definitely excited as they should be. There's a lot of things to be excited about with the, particularly with the football program. So I want to go back with you. I, I think if I remember correctly, I think I first met you in 2004 and you know, I was a college student, uh, looking to get involved with some journalism stuff. You were running at the time, Kane's time, uh, the scout.com site, and you took a chance on me. Uh, so always grateful to you for that. But I wanted, I want, if I'm putting you on the spot here, but what do you remember about a young David Lake? Uh, just that first meeting, what was that first impression? A young dorky college age David Lake left on you. Yeah, it was 04. We met outside. We, we sat on a bench outside the tennis facility, if I remember right. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, honestly, we, we've walked by it a number of times in, in, over the years. And I, yeah, I know the table's still there. But, you know, I think the biggest thing early on, man, like just the desire to work hard, right? Like um, even being young. And I think that's such an important quality in this business, in this industry, right? Just working hard and, and sticking to the task. And I think you had that early on without question. Um, there's always, anytime we start, I was the same way. Anytime you start, there's always a growing period, um, a learning period and, and uh, getting better. And I think you always did that. And I, you know, it's definitely looking back quite a few years, but those are the things I remember. It, it's funny. I remember uh, Demarcus Van Dyke when he, when he did his interview saying he remember he has a picture of you. And I know people on the boards talked about that. I actually have some old pictures too. And uh, 
you know, yeah, I remember, I think your first interview was Rashad Butler, Rashad Butler. Um, yeah. It just felt like whenever we had assignments or had assignments to give, and back then we were doing the magazine too, monthly magazine. Um, that was a lot of fun with the long features, but yeah, I definitely remember those and the old feature, the pictures and stuff. I, there's one, it, it also kind of reminded me of one that I have that was sent to me years later that I didn't even really know existed, but I have one of when I was really young, um, my first season covering the team in 03, I have a picture getting ready to interview Sean Taylor. And it's one that um, <laughs> it's cool. great. Cause it's Sean you know, without yeah. question, but like, I look ridiculous. So um, it's, a, it's a little bit of that, but yeah, I think looking back is a lot of fun, but um, yeah, those are just kind of the memories of, that I remember back then. And, and certainly there's been a, a ton since then. Yeah. So the DeMarcus picture, DeMarcus did send me the picture, right? I think it's from, I think it's like a post, like the after season awards banquet. I, I think it was either at UM or like Parrot Jungle, one of those spots. I forget where exactly that one was at, but my impressions for that picture uh, of me and DeMarcus, I'm the only one who's aged in that photo. DeMarcus <laughs> looks exactly the same. I am dressed much better than I dress now back then. I had like a dress shirt, tie. I mean, you kind of did have to dress up for that event to cover yeah. it, but still. And wait, like I said, I'm the only one who's aged way less, zero gray hair. I got a bunch of gray hair now. So it was funny seeing that picture. Um, so yeah, you, you touched a little bit about, you know, your expertise. We can go into a lot of different areas. And so my hope for this show, you know, we're going to find our rhythm. I think the the bottom line though, is we want to just have fun with it. Sports is fun, right? And, and talking about Miami Hurricanes and specifically Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting should be fun to do. So I think we're going to, we're going to try and have fun with it. There's lots of different directions we can go with it. Um, we are definitely still going to pay plenty of attention to the recruiting side of things. And we're going to bring on our colleague at InsideTheU.com, uh, Gabby Yerutia, plenty to, to go into recruiting when we need to. I think, honestly, the plan is we're going to do our next show on Monday. That's a day after the Under Armour Miami camp. And I know Gabby's planning to be there. So I think we will definitely have him on then and do a segment with him, pick his brains on recruiting and all that good stuff. Um, before we jump into spring football general thoughts, um, share, share, share with the people, the podcast listeners, I'm sure most of them already do, but just in case they don't, where can they find your work, follow you on social media channels, give them your, twi your Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, whatever you got. Yeah. So obviously all the, all the work on, on the website, but you know, on, on Twitter, I'm at inside the U, uh, you can find me there. And also with the YouTube channel, um, you know, it's inside the U is the YouTube channel, putting up tons of videos there and, and actually been doing, you know, live streams and, and some video content there, right. You know, either interview, I, I did an interview with Jason Blissett the other day, and that was great. And just kind of trying to build that as well. Um, something that I talked about earlier, just trying to continue to um, come up with different ideas and, and kind of still be creative. One of the creative things with the YouTube channel was like the video game segment, the ITU games segment. That was something that I think a lot of you um, got to know over the past year or so. So yeah, that's where you could find me there, but obviously definitely the work on inside the and each and every day, right? Like we, yep. we always trying to put out as much content as possible on the team. And like, like I said earlier, man, there, there's just so much to talk about with the team, you know, there, 
every yeah. year. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter the record. It doesn't matter who's on the squad. Like there's so much to get to. And I know when you sent the outline, there's just so many top topics to yeah. talk about with, with this team. Um, so many, and, and to me, honestly, David, kind of going back, covering this team for so long, that has been the biggest thing that I can take from this over the years. Just every single season, there are so many stories to tell with all of the different players on the team. And I, I think we always try to, you know, just do our best to, to provide that information, right? On, on the team, the players, what kind of people they are, where they are at in terms of their role on the team, what their depth chart are moving forward, what the coaches are saying. So yeah, tons to definitely talk about. Yeah. Let's jump into it. So spring football is right around the corner, right? So I think unless they've changed it, March 13th is kind of what we're operating under as the date for the start of spring football. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, Miami's coming off uh, an eight and three season in 2020 Um, solid year. I think it had the potential of being a really strong year. Didn't end the way anyone would have wanted it to end, but still overall, I think a solid year, I think a, a nice step forward for the program uh, during year two of the Manny Diaz era. Um, with spring, with spring being around the corner though, it did, it did make me think back to last year, um, uh, spring football this time last year. Right. And I was remembering how last year Miami was able to get four spring practices in. I think we got to watch, I forget if it was one or two practices, they were totally open. The media could watch the whole thing. Um, and at the end of that fourth practice, the school was going on spring break and during that time is kind of when the world shut down with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so I guess where I want to start this off with you, Chris, is um, what do you feel like the team maybe missed out on? Were, were there any opportunities missed in terms of, you know, maybe it was specifically developing a certain position group. Uh, obviously there was a new offense trying to be installed, a new quarterback, all that stuff. Um, do you think the team missed out on a lot uh, having only had four spring practices last year. And then, you know, when you view it within the context of now we know that team went on to win eight games, lose three games. uh, Do do you look at it as, wow, that, that was actually kind of impressive when you look at everything uh, as a, as a, as a whole. You know, know, yeah. So thinking back, okay. So they go six and seven, under Manny's first year, right? That was terrible. Mm-hmm. There was so many bad losses in there. So they go to eight and three the next season last year. So they, and they didn't lose those bad games. And we've talked about that before. So that was a step. I think that, I guess the thing that I look at was the biggest thing. And ironically, it's going to be the same thing this spring is with the Eric King, not being able to be out there. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing that I'll point to. And I think it's, it's not because it, look, I'm a big believer in Derek's abilities. I think he's got a lot in the tank. I think he could produce at a really high level. I think we saw that in glimpses last year. I still think that there's more that he can do on a more consistent basis. Cause some of those games, he put up some ridiculous stats and, and you're not expecting more of that, you know, but I think just the camaraderie of getting in, him, getting to know the teammates. Cause again, he's a guy from Texas. Didn't know a lot of these guys. The wide receivers were all looking to take that jump up in their roles. Even Mike Harley, you know, looking to take a step mm-hmm. up. And obviously, Pope and Wiggins, 
didn't play much the year before. So they're trying to, you know, establish themselves doing so with a quarterback that they don't know. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that they kind of lost out on last spring. And we can even take that a step further, even in the summer. And because of everything that was going on, Derek went home to Houston, did a lot of the skill work individually, and then eventually made his way back to campus like everybody else. But it's not like he was doing seven on seven stuff a lot with the team last summer to really get to know the guys and stuff. And again, no fault of his own, a lot was going on. But in terms of how that translated into the season, maybe they could have got on a better roll earlier. But I don't know if it really, because you look at the eight and three, they just got blown out in those two games against Mm -hmm. North Carolina and Clemson. So would that have changed much? I I don't think so. Those teams were just better at that time, you know, and then maybe they win the bowl game, but you know, Derek goes down with, so I don't know if the results would have actually changed. I just think they would have been a little bit, you know, clicking a little bit better, but who knows, maybe if they had that early connection, but I know when there's a lot of talk about those kind of things. And I broke it down last year because of the schedule that was coming out. Like, look, Miami missed 11 practices, but some of their opponents didn't even practice at all sure. in the spring. So I kind of compared it. I think that's the thing you got to remember. A lot of teams missed practices and there was a lot going on and everybody dealt with certain things. So, um, but yeah, certainly they, they made that jump from the year before. And the reason why I mentioned, because, you know, Derek's going to be on the spring again. So, but he did develop that connection. A lot of guys coming back from a year ago. And I, I know we're definitely going to get into that as well. Is there something that stands out with you? Well, just that they I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this in hindsight, right? But I do wonder if a full spring, and the coaches mentioned this during the season, but I wonder if a full spring uh, would have helped maybe develop the linebacker position a little better. I think, you know, when you look back at it in hindsight, the coaches kind of settled in on the older guys, the guys they thought they could trust, right? Which is what most coaches will do, especially when springs get cut short, off seasons get, uh, you know, cut short or don't exist, to be honest, like we're used to. So, you know, would, if, if, if there was a full spring, would we have seen Avery Huff? I, I think if I remember correctly, Tyreek Austin Cave was was hurt still in the spring, so maybe he wouldn't have played, but maybe he could have learned the defense while he's not out there playing. Corey Flagg, I think, was hurt too. But again, maybe he could have learned the, the concepts of the defense. Maybe that would have helped him during the fall. I just wonder, looking back, that that position specifically, you know, maybe they would have had more of an understanding that you know, maybe Zach McLeod is better suited to be an edge rusher rather than a guy who plays in space. So, you know, looking back with the benefit of hindsight, I do wonder if linebacker could have been sorted out a little better if they had a full spring. And just to add to that, I mean, I think you're right. I think a guy that stands out to me they didn't mention was Sam Brooks. He played really well in that bowl game. Mm -hmm. And then I think a lot of people, a lot of fans expected him, okay, he's going to, Guys are out, you know, Quarterman Pinkney out. Brooks is that next young guy to step in. And then we just did not see him either be trusted or develop or whatever you want to put it. But yeah. he just wasn't a consistent guy in terms of playing time during the season. And, and Brooks might have been a guy that lost out on them that momentum because yeah. he was still a guy that needed to learn. I think maybe he's a guy also in addition to what you were just saying. But it, I do remember in the offseason, speaking on your veteran stuff, it just, I remember thinking like, oh, I think they're going to go with Jennings as a starter. 
yeah just the way that they were talking about him i was like man they're they're gonna go with jennings like and i think that surprised a lot of people at the time because again you're talking about huff brooks highly regarded guys maybe you like you know tyree austin cave maybe you like Corey Fleck, but it just felt like well jennings seems like he's ready to go and it seems like he's gonna start so i definitely think that yeah, and honestly, like nothing's changed uh, one year later, right? I mean, Zach McLeod is not a linebacker, but still all those other guys that you named, I mean, we don't really know. We don't really know what they got in terms of the young guys. So it's this spring's going to be a big time for them to, to show what they can do, step up and, uh, you know, earn that trust with the coaching staff. Um, let, me, let me ask you this, and then we'll take a break and jump into the the specific positions we want to talk about today uh, with this spring. But so I I think Miami is going to be ranked somewhere in in the preseason polls, right? Um, They ended the year, I believe, ranked number 22 in the final AP poll for the 2020 season. They return, you know, according to, to a lot of metrics out there, the most, they have the most, or the third most returning production as a team in the country and the most on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, it's fair to expect Miami to be ranked somewhere in the preseason top 25, which honestly hasn't happened much over the past 15 years at Miami. Um, I want to know just you're a guy you've been covering the team since 2003. How do you view this team right now as we stand here today? Uh, Are you excited about this team? Um, and if so, like it's the most excited you or most intrigued by a team you would be since going into what season? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, okay. Definitely people should be excited because of the amount of people returning. I, I guess for me, the Deary King injury just holds it back. And I know you're going to get a look at the quarterbacks, the young guys in the spring. So that's the benefit. But to me, it's like, man, we don't know what, about Derek, you know, how exactly he's going to recover. If that wasn't an issue, and I hate speaking on hypothetical type situations, but you'd definitely be a lot more excited, I guess. You do return a lot of guys. I think you're you're you miss out on those elite defensive ends. We talk about the linebacker position. So I think there's definitely a lot of excitement with the guys coming back. And, and I know that there's a lot of things that they're talking about that people should be excited about. And probably so for me, back. you know. I was, I was intrigued by that, you know, going into that 2018 team, right? Um, Miami was coming off, you know, in a lot of ways, there, there are some parallels to, to 2017 and 2020. Um, pretty strong starts to the season, and then the year didn't quite end the way uh, Miami would have wanted it or anyone would have wanted to see it if you're a Miami fan. Um, but still... There was enough returning, enough coming back. Miami had the quarterback coming back, Malik Rozier. Now, De'Ara King, of course, is a better player than Malik. Um, but Miami entered that year, I believe, ranked in the top 10 with a neutral site matchup against LSU to open that season. Um, and again, you know, it, they didn't get it done that year. And, and I think looking back, you know, maybe that 2017 team uh, – won all the close games so they got all the breaks and things kind of evened out in that 2018 year and um you know didn't match the preseason hype of course on the offensive side i think it is worth worth noting that that year i think they 
you know, they were hit by some injuries and had some, some issues there on the offensive side with their, with their skill, skill players. The defense played at a very high level. But uh, I would say this is I, – I am more intrigued by this team, of course, than I am that team. Um, but the question marks are almost flipped in terms of, you know, I don't really have that many questions about the offense. Now, do I think it's elite, elite, elite? No, but I think it can be very good with all the guys returning. The questions are on defense. Um, can they get back to, to the level of being a top 25 group like they were previous to this year during the Manny Diaz defensive era? So um, I'm intrigued by this team. I think, you know, the identity of this team is going to have to be on offense, which is kind of a change from what we've seen here in recent years. And, uh, you know, I understand the Derek uh, concerns, but for whatever reason, and maybe I'm crazy, I am, I'm not concerned as long as there aren't setbacks with his recovery. I think worst case scenario, we get the same Derek King uh, as we saw in 2020. And that's still a top 10 quarterback in the country. And if that's the case, the hope would be, okay, maybe the players around him take the next step and, and you know, your offense gets even better. So those are just my quick thoughts. And we'll get more into the quarterbacks here. So for the rest of this podcast, after the break, we're going to get into uh, the offensive skill players, uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight ends, share some of our thoughts on those guys. And um, you know, what we expect to, to hear about them uh, for the upcoming month of spring football. So uh, we'll, we'll get you back after the break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. And uh, it's my favorite position to talk about, Chris, quarterback. It's the most important position in all of sports. Um, We've already touched on, on kind of Derek King, the impact there uh, of, of him missing the spring. I guess, are you concerned? Let me frame it this way. Are you concerned that he will not? And this is just, I'm not asking you to report anything, just opinion. What we know about how ACL recoveries go uh, these days, it's not, of course, nearly as serious as it was, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 plus years ago. How concerned are you that that he might not be able to go in game one against Alabama? Yeah, I think it's fair to have that concern. I, I think it, now we're not going to hear that from UM right. for a while. Um, it's going to be all positive. Expect, you know, they came out really quickly that yeah. they expect him to be ready for fall practices, right? In August. So they're expecting a pretty fast recovery. And the only update I remember asking Manny, just things were going well um, a couple months ago with, with, you know, his recovery and things like that. So, but I, I think that there's concern, you know, just a, a little bit, right? Just yeah. how soon, because it's not just about getting back out there. You want them to be productive. And I think there's a going to be a little bit of that. And we'll wait and see as it gets closer. And it's not, again, nothing against Derek. It's just the nature of the injury. So 
I think it's a wait and see process, but I think it's more so of just if it, if he's not, you know, really ready to go in that first one, how long does it linger into right. the season? I think that'll be the thing to watch for. Um, but I, I definitely think that there's a level of concern because it is a serious injury. And like you said, it's not as the recovery is not as um, maybe as long as it's been in the past, but I still think it, you know, it takes quite a bit and a lot of, a lot goes into to coming back at that, that high level, especially a guy that needs to use his legs to be effective as, as, as much as he was before. Do you think it's fair to say, so obviously we can't account for like the type of setbacks, like, Oh, there's an infection or the surgery didn't go as well as we thought. Right. Like those are out of that's out of our control in terms of, you know, what we can expect with the recovery of Derek King. But let's say all that's, there aren't any setbacks with that. Um, Derek is the type of guy you trust to attack the recovery process, right? Like he is going to maximize however quickly he can get back on the field. Fair to say, just his mentality and the way he goes about things. Yeah. And Mike Harley actually said that just a few weeks ago, just you know, he feels like he's ready to go, you know, so um, obviously not, but just the mentality's there. And, and absolutely, if a guy that, that knows how to attack, not just um, with his mentality, but to attack adversity that he's dealt with, yeah. he, he's, he's pushed forward. And, and I expect him to handle this the same way he has other things. So let's, let's get into the guys that are available this spring. So Derek King, obviously going to be rehabbing that injury. Uh, Nikosi Perry, he is not participating because he is uh, basically seeking out his his next spot, his next destination. So uh, wherever he ends up, we, we wish him luck on that. Uh, definitely deserves a shot to be a starter somewhere. So that leaves Miami uh, essentially with three quarterbacks. Um, redshirt freshman Peyton Matoka, uh, returning freshman. I don't know what to call these guys anymore with the free year of eligibility. So I'll say returning freshman, Tyler Van Dyke and early enrollee freshman, Jake Garcia. Um, what do you, from a Miami fans perspective, what do you, what would you hope that, that if you're a Miami fan, what would you hope to learn about these guys during the course of this spring? Well, I think, you know, are they comfortable in the pocket? Can they deliver the ball downfield? Two different, you know, two obviously key qualities for a quarterback. You know, you don't want guys, you know, just really apprehensive about everything and feeling overwhelmed, um, even though they're young. So, and I think, I think immediately, you know, you get 15 practices, but what we learned last year, and obviously you're not expecting that again, but take advantage of every single practice and and don't really get in these these really bad weeks of practice where it's almost a waste in a sense. So I think Miami fans should hope for really good production from the guys getting the ball to the receivers downfield. I think that's the biggest thing I always like to see from a quarterback. It's easy to do the dump downs, Mm -hmm. the check down type plays, honestly, even going to the tight end. I want to see them connecting with wide receivers in the spring. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I I think you want to see that they're comfortable in this moment of, of spring practices and they're going to be going against the top defense. They're going to be playing with the top offensive guys. So just feeling like they should be there that like they belong and that they can make plays and be productive. Yeah. I mean, I think it is important for, you know, to, to see leadership qualities, right? Like these guys are being thrust in a way in this position. 
Um, but it's time to step up and take leadership, take ownership of being that first team guy. Do you think, do you think it's fair um, to view this spring as kind of a quote unquote early audition for the starting job in 2022? Honestly, I don't. And I say that because Jake Garcia is on a different timeline than Tyler Van Dyke. Tyler's had a full year of experience of enrolling, getting a little bit of spring ball, playing, you know, being a part of a season. Jake's just getting here and he's a full year behind. So expecting Jake to essentially vault himself past Tyler in the spring with no experience, you know, practice by, because every practice Jake gets, that means Tyler's getting one too. So I think it's going to be important for Jake to, and I say Jake because he's the new guy, you know, really jump into that mix as, as quickly as he can, but expecting it to be like a, a true competition for 2022, it just puts a lot of pressure on Jake to be at that level immediately. Um, and I think Tyler's just going to go, go ahead and stay in that steady process. And certainly you want to see positives from Jake in the spring, but I just think like it's going to be a totality of who will start in 2022. Yes. It's an early audition because they're going to get reps. Um, you're going to get a full look at these guys, but I just think I, I'm expecting Tyler and even Peyton just to be ahead of Jake in the early going. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily going to just, it should not rule out Jake because again, he's just getting here. He's getting his feet wet. I think going into the summer is going to be big. And then obviously in the fall, and then we get to do this again next year. So I, I think it's, if they were on the same timeline in terms of their experience, I think maybe I would say, then I would say, yes, you know, it'd be a great early start, but because Tyler's got that full year um, and Peyton a couple. So I, I just think those guys will be ahead of Jake, at least for the early going. And, and one thing to note too, with Jake, and I'm not reporting anything here, but he has, my understanding is he has been in a walking boot uh, since arriving on campus. And I think that he dates back, that dates back to some sort of little minor tweak that, that he was playing through uh, with his lower body during his senior season. So hopefully he is a full go. I don't know, honestly, whether, where that stands at this point with Jake. Um, but hopefully everything's good to go in that regard, because it would be big to get him some reps this spring. Um, let me ask you this, wh which one of these quarterbacks, these three guys, would you say intrigues you most? You know, and I, I know everybody's got their favorites and I know a lot of people like to see Tyler. I'm intrigued by Peyton in the sense that we don't know much about him. Um, he mm -hmm. was behind, he was behind Tyler on the depth chart last year. Uh, he's got to put up uh, ridiculous numbers in high school there in Texas. You know, as far as like the future goes, I'm, I'm most intrigued by Jake because of everything he did last year, things I saw on film, but we've not seen any of these guys really get true action. Tyler got in there a little bit and Peyton too, but I, I guess most intrigued by Jake because of the upside. I, I think he's got the most upside. I think he's got the biggest chance to be a really successful quarterback at Miami. So I'm most intrigued by him. And like you said, hopefully we see him out there in the spring and just most intrigued by his development, you know, things that we hear about over the spring, summer, fall. Um, but yeah, I, I think of those three, I think Jake's got the biggest upside. Uh, I like his throwing ability. I, I like the the way he gets the ball downfield, like his pocket presence. Again, all stuff we saw on film and, and things are different in college. So we'll get to see that too. I think one of the things over the years that we've seen quite a bit is even if we saw guys as recruits, either at showcases, games, practices, all that kind of stuff, 
when we get to see them at UM, you know, like we kind of get a good sense on, okay, is this going to work? Does this translate or is it, okay, this is a guy that just is a guy, like it's not going to, tra- you know, he's not going to be one of those productive players. He's going to fall back on the depth chart. I think we, we, we see that kind of, I wouldn't say quickly, but when we get to see practices and, you know, get to see certain things, we, we, we do notice, you know, how, how well they translate at the college level. And, and that's something I think with the quarterbacks, we'll get a chance to see that um, this, this spring, you know, are they making those good throws that you're looking for? Yeah. And I agree with you with, with Jake Garcia in terms of his high school film. The thing that impresses me most with him is his ability to stand tough in the pocket and push the ball downfield. He's not a, a lot of times in high school, you know, these, these big time quarterbacks are the best athlete on the field. And so, you know, they can kind of scramble whenever they want to buy time, whenever they want to. And that allows for easier downfield throws that quite frankly, wouldn't be there at the college level. Jake, while he does do that at times, of course, when, when there's pressure, you can tell he really wants to stand in the pocket and he gets the ball out quickly downfield. So I I like that ability, that willingness. Um, For me, I am, I'm curious about Tyler Van Dyke because everything I hear about him behind the scenes, everything Miami tells us, you know, through, through media availabilities with, with coach Lashley and and coach Diaz uh, speaking to the media it sounds like Tyler Van Dyke uh, checks the boxes in terms of leadership, in terms of being self-motivated to uh, work hard at his craft. It sounds like he didn't just coast during this, you know, no one had a red shirt this season, but uh, it was essentially a red shirt year for Tyler because he wasn't expected to play. Right. But my understanding is he still worked hard when he could um, to, to improve at his craft. And, and that hasn't necessarily been the case at Miami. Over the past decade, we see a lot of, a lot of uh, redshirt freshmen come in and kind of go through the motions during that, that redshirt year rather than really attack the process and, and try and improve during that year, even though you're not going to, you're not going to play necessarily. So I'm curious if that work ethic, that mentality, that mindset translates into good play on the field. And if it does, yeah, I think him and Jake are, are going to have an interesting quarterback battle in 2022. Because I agree with you in, in terms of just pure upside, Jake probably has uh, more th- than Tyler. But what I'm hearing, what I understand is that Tyler is – is a hard worker. So I'm curious to see how that translates into uh, production on the practice field. And just with Tyler, you know, you kind of brought it up, but it seemed like, you know, just kind of hearing, he really latched onto Derek King. Um, yeah. And, and that's, goes to your point. It, it certainly shows a lot about Tyler. Look, anybody falling around Derek, you're, you're doing good things, right? So mm-hmm. I think, Tyler was doing that. I think that's a good sign. Uh, I think, you know, watching film with Derek, learning from him, all of those things are, are great qualities to have. And, you know, maybe when people hear, oh, you're hearing good things about Tyler and, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit of just you and pumping out stuff. Look, we didn't hear that about Jaron Williams no. during his redshirt season. And it wasn't the same feeling going into that year. And I think with Tyler, 
we are hearing those positive things. And, and like you said, and it's been an issue. A, has it not at Miami, the red it shirt has, year? It has. And, and I think a quarterback more than any other position, you look for those intangibles because throwing ability, all that kind of stuff matters. But that mentality, that, that work ethic, that, there's no position that it matters most than a yeah. quarterback. So that's why the, that's why you've, you try to put value on those intangibles or those things, you know, it's important at that position. And so that's why you're reaching for those things. And more so I try not to get into too much of that with the other positions. Um, right. You know, ability is such a big thing and all these, you know, sometimes it is a little coach speak, but like I said, we haven't heard that in the past. And um, yeah, it, it seems like whenever he's going to get up there, uh, his opportunity, you know, he wants to be ready for it. And this is an opportunity in the spring. And I, I, I'm not trying to diminish the competition or what the importance is for each of these quarterbacks in the spring. I just feel like because of that timetable thing, but let's see what Tyler does because I've always kind of been a big believer in, you know, from covering the team, just when you get opportunities, whether it's on the field, practice reps or whatever, you've got to be ready. And then you perform at that time. It doesn't matter if you're a sophomore or senior or whatever it is, most of the time in the past or when guys have been successful, when they get their opportunities, it's kind of a, not a plug and play situation, but just be ready for your opportunity and then take, take advantage of it. And, and Tyler can certainly take advantage of it this spring with all of the reps he's going to get um, with the Eric out. So with, with the Eric out, it, it's a weird spring from, from the quarterback uh, perspective, right? Um, what, in your opinion, like what would make this spring a success with that position group? What needs to happen for you to be like, okay, this was actually a really good spring for, for the quarterback position group. I think you want to feel like these guys can play in 2021. If Derek's not ready, you want to feel like these guys are like, okay, they're not going to be as good as Derek, but you want to feel like they can be in there and you can win games if you need to. Cause regardless of what happens in that first game, what if Derek's not ready for those next couple? Right. You know, can one of these quarterback, I'm just kind of putting that out there. And I know they got that buy built in about a month into the season. So that will help with some of that. But what if Derek's not ready for the first couple of games, what, can one of these guys get in there and beat Michigan state? You know, you want to feel like they're going to be able, whoever it is in the spring, you want to feel like we're going to be fine and can win games with this guy this season, if we need him and, and then worry about the future when you, when you have to. But I think that's the biggest thing that you'll look for in the spring um, because, and that should not be overlooked. You don't want to look too far into the future. Like it doesn't matter how they do because the coming back, but what if he's not, or what if you know there's any kind of setback? Or again, you're 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 still pushing the envelope on a timetable with the Eric, whether he's ready yes. for the opener or a couple of weeks after. You're still eight nine months. You're expecting a full recovery, fully be out there, be himself, and that you're still pushing that issue. So I, I think that's the biggest thing, and 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 maybe you see it a little bit differently um, with these guys with that quarterback. But is there something specific that you're that you like to see from this quarterback spot? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just I I want one of those guys to separate from the pack. I don't want to hear by the end of the spring, oh yeah, they're all kind of doing the same. Like we kind of view them as the same. I don't necessarily need Manny Diaz or, or Rhett Lashley to be like, yeah, one of these guys is definitely the backup at this point to De'Aaron King. But I think we need to be able to at least read between the lines and, and understand, okay this guy has separated himself from the pack, whoever it is, Peyton Matoka, Tyler Van Dyke, or Jake Garcia. So 
I'm big on that. Like I, I want to hear about separation amongst the guys and uh, you know, hopefully that happens. Let's move on to running back. Um, kind of an interesting position group. Uh, Cameron Harris decided to come back um, after a, a, a solid junior season uh, that started really hot. Um, didn't really end with the same production, but you look at his totals at the end of the year, he ran for 10 touchdowns. Um, that's kind of been a rarity, double digit rushing touchdowns in recent years. So that's certainly a strong mark ran for about 600 yards. And then he, he returns with two guys who I think you and I both agree are, are definitely talented. Um, Don Chaney Jr. and Jalen Knighton. And I think it was, I think it was pretty clear, right. That, that in 2020, Cameron Harris was a better running back than those two guys. Um, the question I have for you, Chris, is do you expect that to still be the case in 2021? That's a tough, that's a tough one because, you know, they bring back Cam and I think he's going to get the opportunity, but I think what we're going to see is in 2021 that there's, they're going to go with somebody else if he's not producing early or if he does not have this all off season, it kind of starts spring ball summer. And he's the guy that works really hard in, in those categories. But if there's any sort of drop off with him or emergence from those other two, they're going to go with one of those other guys to start the start the season last year. Maybe some people expected them to start a true freshman. I didn't see that happening. It, it played out where they sprinkled them in. Maybe they got some opportunities early, but I think this year it's, it's whoever at that time, when, when that opener starts, they're going to go with that guy, you know, whether it's Cheney or, or Knighton or, or Cam, I think they kind of all get grouped back into being the same, but if Cam stays out in front, like you said, he was their best back last year. Um, there's some things that they, that he did a little bit better than the other guys, but I think this second year, I think it all kind of goes back to, they're going to go with the best guy and best off season and all those kind of things. And I think you'll see it because once you have that year under your belt as a running back, I, I think again, We've seen productive backs in their second year at Miami. And I think both of those guys can be productive given the opportunity, given the reps. And we'll see. It's a position I'm very excited to see over the next six months to see if anyone emerges as this true number one guy where they just have to have him out there immediately. Do you expect, do you think there will be a number one guy or do you think it'll kind of just be three? Like it'll be uh, the, the carries will be shared fairly evenly between the three. What would you predict? At this point, I think it'll be shared evenly because I don't see the drop off um, with another guy. If there was this noticeable drop off and, and one of these guys might be better or even ahead, but I just don't think it's going to be that clear drop off where you're just like, man, we have to have this guy out here all the time. I, I So I think that they'll, they'll kind of split it up a little bit. And but but if some guy gets in there and starts, you know, putting up big runs, they're going to stick with them and then they'll stick with them the next game. And, you know, I could see it emerging to be in a top guy, but I, I just think that the, and they all bring different things to the table. So I think they're going to use all three if they're, they're healthy and ready to go, because I, I think the ability is there for all three of them to be, all three of them can lead this team in carries and yards given the opportunities. So I think that they will use them to their advantage. I want to rank those three guys just in terms of our, our opinions of their talent. Um, I'll go first. 
if I'm ranking those guys and, and I think it's fairly close, um, but I would probably, in my opinion, and I go back, I've gone back and forth on this, you know, over the past year about how I feel about it, but I would probably rank Don Chaney, Jalen Knighton, Cameron Harris. And the thing I go back and forth on is Don Chaney and Jalen Knighton. Uh, you know, when those two guys signed, I was higher on Don Chaney. Um, then we, you know, spring practices started. We started getting reports last year that, wow, Jalen Knighton's special. He's making special plays. Um, people around the team, you know, that, that whole offseason, we're talking about how special Jalen Knighton is. That play kind of continued. During fall camp, he was highly productive in the scrimmages. Um, he was kind of more of a playmaker early in the season. And then as the season progressed, it seemed like Don Chaney started coming on strong and, and getting more comfortable and showing what he can do. And I, I would probably, at this point, I, I stick with Don Chaney still as the, the more talented guy probably more so because of the size and speed combination. I think he brings more size to the table than Jalen. Jalen's probably got him in the speed department, but Don uh, is definitely not slow. And also too, I think we saw glimpses of Don last year really take steps with his, with improving with his vision and patience. And I'm not quite sure we necessarily saw that during the course of the season with Jalen. Now I think he will. I think that light bulb is going to turn on here very soon as he, as he adjusts to the speed of the college game over the past year. So um, right now I would rank them Don, Jalen and Cam. I'm curious if you would push back on that ranking. And if so, where? I like Jalen for his speed ability. I like him for his pass catching, catching ability more than Don and Don, you, you got him on the size and you talked about some of the things that he does well and like you said, he, we started to see more of it as the year went on. There were stretches in games where they wanted to feed him and they felt like they could. I think kind of with all three of them, you know, so just real quick, Miami ninth in the ACC last year in rushing yards per game, ninth in yards per carry. One of the things that stands out to me also is they were middle of the pack in 20 plus yard runs. Jalen Knighton, I, I, you know, He's a guy that I, I believe in and, and think he's got quite a bit of ability. Like I said, I just I like his speed. I like his big play ability. However, only one 20-yard run last year, and that's a disappointment because yeah. if Jalen's going to be the most – if he's the most talented or the most productive or he's going to get the most carries, he's got to be coming up with big plays, and, and we didn't see that enough. And I know he had, the, he had a big one in the receiving category, and he caught 11 passes last year. Again, I, I think for Jalen, to me, like he's got to explode more. He's got to have bigger plays and he's got to really improve his hands where he can be an asset in the passing game. And if he doesn't do those two things at a really high level, I, I think Don's going to stay ahead of him in terms of the depth chart because Don gives you that steady running ability in between the tackles. Um, he has enough speed to get to the outside uh, for runs there. Um, and, and Don only had three of the 20 plus yard runs and then Cam had six, but it, it's certainly an area where all three of them need to be better at. But I think those are the things I'll be watching for with Jalen. But I do like, again, I like Jalen's overall speed as one of the fastest players on the team. I always like that speed quality. I think you could use that in a lot of different ways on the, on, in the offense. Um, 
So in terms of the talent, I, I would rank Jalen higher because of that. But certainly Don's extremely productive. And I think that there's what we've seen from Don already. I think that there's more to come with him. Um, he's kind of the guy that I'm looking forward to in this in the this next six months in terms of can he put this whole thing together, strong offseason, really moves forward in his play. Um, and I think he's the guy to watch for. If you're talking about a lead back, like who can emerge, I think you're looking at Don maybe as a guy that could really because he can do, you know, he's kind of solid in all areas. But and then, you know, one of the things, David, when we talk about the running backs, a lot of attention, again, on Jalen and Don, highly productive guys in, in high school, a lot of attention. But I think we just like skip out on what Cam can bring to the table so much. I do think that there's ability there. I do think there's talent there. I think there's more to come with Cam. I, I think the 600 yards to 10 touchdowns from a year ago, I, I think he could do more in terms of his overall consistency within a game. His yards per carry at 5.1, certainly good, but I, I just think that there's more with Cam. Um, and, and once again, I think it maybe it even goes to that explosive play type thing. I think there's more he can do there um, for, for this season. Yeah, I think Cam is definitely very, very good when he can get to the edge. I think things kind of get tough for him when he has to use his vision a little bit. And when he has to wiggle, I think, you know, that's, that's kind of when cam's not at his best, but if he can, if he can get to the edges with that speed, get around the corner, he's extremely dangerous. Um, I wonder too, you know, you mentioned how the rushing stats were, were fairly average last year, which they were, I think it's worth noting. It was a, a big improvement from the year before. So I think things trended in the right direction, you know, running as a whole, when you include Derek King into the mix and all that stuff, I wonder what your take would be. Um, you know, how much do you feel like the offensive line held back that group? And do you think that's a valid excuse? If so. Probably yes. And no um, college offensive lines are not necessarily for the most part, just always on point every single play. There's always a little bit of stuff where the running back has to kind of make its own plays. I will say, you know, so it's a little bit of both because there's a, it felt like there were a lot of plays as soon as the ball was hiked, Derek hands it off, plays dead with a run play that the offensive line gets blown up. There were certainly plays like yeah. that, that happened and not to diminish it. But I do think that there's a lot on the running backs that look most, if you were to say most offensive line, they're just kind of, they're just not on point all the time. So expecting the offensive line to really pave these big holes for you. Right. Um, I, I just think, I think you're asking a little too much. And I think you're taking the pressure off the running backs. Like I said, the running backs did not produce those big yardage runs. Um, I, th I think they've got to take advantage of that. And if you have speed and ability, I think that those guys do have that and they can make plays on their own in a sense. But obviously if those plays are getting blown up before it even gets started, um, it's not on the running backs, but, and certainly the offensive line, you've got to think, look, more experience guys coming back, played together last year, that whole thing, you've got to be better. You touched on the running game, improving the offensive line did show improvement, not exactly where you'd like it to be. Yeah. last year but just you know you saw improvement from the year before and that's what you want to do with all of your positions you got to be a little bit better keep moving forward with your play and hopefully it's even more so and maybe the, there will be those big runs I think people saw a glimpse of that with that Navon Donaldson block and Cam ran through a big hole there and 
late in the season. You want to see more of that where they do open up big holes. Um, and you touched on Cam's vision. Definitely if the holes are there, you got to hit it. But certainly the offensive line can play a big part of it. But like I said, the running backs need to make plays um, when they get the ball because there's plenty of opportunities to do so. It's not just like 20 run plays and every single play, there's no holes. So, and I think that the big thing too is, you know, maximize maximize the run. If you can only get six, eight yards on a run, then get six, eight. You know, not all plays are going to be 60-yard runs. So I think that'll be the biggest thing. And I think that'll be something that they'll be working on in the next, in the off season. All right. Wide receiver. Um, the favorite position group of the Miami Hurricanes fan base at the moment. Um, I don't know, honestly, Chris, what to expect of this group. I think, I think the talent is better than the production we saw last year, but what does that mean? Right. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, the production is, is what matters most. Um, quite frankly, this group needs to step up if Miami is going to take that next step as an offense. I think we saw Mike Harley, I, in my opinion, have an underrated year, especially over the second half of the year when he was essentially averaging 100 yards and a touchdown per game. Can he keep that rolling for, for an entire season in 2021? I think, you know, that's an interesting question to raise. Uh, but outside of Mike Harley, quite frankly, I don't know what Miami has at wide receiver in terms of who do I trust to make plays. And, and we saw during the course of the 2020 season, we saw defensive game plans uh, tell you that with the way they defended Miami, you know, stacking the box, forcing wide receivers to win one-on-ones um, because they – the wide receiver group showed they could not win those 50, 50 balls with consistency on the outside. So this is a, a long preamble to just say, should we expect this group to be better in 2021, Chris? And uh, why or why not? I think they'll be better with experience. I think a little bit of what's going on at the wide receiver position is expectations. I think sometimes you've got to take a step back and I think sometimes when you have these high expectations on guys and they don't deliver, they're the worst players ever. And I think that let's, yeah. let's find somewhat of a middle ground of what they are. And I'm clearly speaking about Mark Pope and D Wiggins, because that's where all the attention is going. You touched on Mike Harley, taking that step up nearly 800 yards, good production, had those monster games in the middle of the season there um, and, and showed consistency and all that stuff. But Yes, I think they'll be better because of that experience. I think with Eric King. Now, what does that look like? Are we talking about Mark and D coming out with a thousand yard seasons? No, I, I don't right. expect that. I I still think that they're better than the other guys they have on the roster. Um, and we'll see how Charleston fits in. But I think both of those guys have shown enough signs that they can still be better. I don't think right, you know, just completely writing these guys off. Um, is the right thing to do. Yes, they can obviously improve. And I do think that there will be some improvement with these guys. And I think more improvement, I think maybe a guy like Mark, just kind of touching on him a little bit. Again, a guy that was highly regarded, high expectations, expecting him to be this big thing. But I think there were positives at the time during the season last year. You know, I had that middle stretch of the year where he was getting you four to five catches, you know, 60 yard, almost had a hundred yard game against NC State. Now, that's not what, shows that's not in people's minds because 
what happened at the end of the year. Yeah. The lack of production, the bowl game, that's what stands out. And that, that, and, and Mark's going to have to overcome that. You know, he doesn't get a chance to redo those last few games or redo the drops or the bowl game, but he just has to move forward, continue his improvement in the off season. And then, you know, be productive when the season comes again. But I, I still think that, you know, there's still ability with Mark. It's still there. I think he can still just, like I said, I think he could be better. And two of the, maybe a category that I'm looking at for both of those guys. And, and I know you cut back on the drops though. There will be drops. Hate to say it in college football, sure. you know, wide receivers are going to drop passes. I think two of the, the category that I'm looking for, both of those guys can be better with their yards per catch mark around 12 D around 11. Both those guys have top end speed two of the fastest guys on the team. I think that number can be better. And I think if you cut down your, on your drops, more bigger plays, I think you're going to see people have different opinions because I think that th- those guys have that ability and, and we'll see how it works. And, but certainly David, I know, you know, kind of just talking about this subject, a lot of people want to know, well, I look, maybe some people are thinking like, I saw enough of Mark. I saw enough of D I'm ready to move on and see who else there is. And there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that want to be in that mix, feel like they should be getting more reps. There's guys coming in the fall, three signees yeah. or, or in the summer to be ready for fall practices. There are a lot of guys that want to be in that mix and, and feel like, look, Mark and D didn't do enough, you know, just mentally. I'm not sure. saying they're publicly saying that, but they, they're looking at like, look, I want my opportunity and, and fans want to see what these next guys have as well. Does Miami have a thousand yard receiver on its roster in 2021? It can be Mike, you know, he, he had 800. And if you still think he's clearly better than, than those other two guys. And if you, if you really believe in that connection that him and Derek have, which I, I think is strong on yeah. and off the field, I think Mike does have the big playability to, to reach the thousand yard mark. Um, you're also talking about maybe an extra game or two, right? 13 um, games or so. Yeah. So, so you're, that would be the jump. Um, and as for, I think it's, yeah, it would be hard to say anyone else on the roster for that matter would have a thousand yards, honestly, just at any point in their careers, because we haven't seen the young guys come close to being a productive guy. And we haven't seen D and Mark automatically at all click where you think like they're definitely going to be that in the future. So, and a thousand yards is, is definitely not easy. And for years, we just did not see a thousand yard receivers at Miami. And then, you know, you started to sink, see it with, with, with Hankerson and Alan Hearns and, and things like that. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, but yeah, maybe Mike would be that biggest possibility. I think some people might expect Charleston Rambo to be uh, potentially wide receiver one. I would probably push back on that. I still like the addition. I think bringing him into the group was a smart move in terms of uh, generating competition and having some proven production amongst that group. I personally don't view him as a a number one wide receiver, though. How do you view him? I absolutely like that he comes from Oklahoma, a program that's been successful, successful in the passing game. As far as being the number one guy, he's not been that in his career. So expecting him to do that at Miami, I don't see that happen. And I don't see, it's not a KJ Osborne with experience coming into a young group. Mike Harley is this team's number one receiver. That's just it. And and honestly, he needs to be. Yeah. This team to be successful, Mike and his leadership, and it's something I want to talk about maybe moving forward or later on um, as we get through this. But with Rambo, I expect him, I think a lot of with Rambo, the addition is, 
if they've got to have a productive number two guy. So yes. if, if D and Mark aren't, aren't consistent, then, then they need Rambo to be that consistent number two, but not just that because if D and Mark are produ- producing and consistent at the very least, Charleston steps into this, this four spot or to be a top four, however you want to rank them. But I, you know, coach Rob Likens was mentioning, look, he just didn't feel comfortable going past three receivers last year and they want to play six. And if you look at the play right. snaps and the, and the, the, if you look at the plate, you know, how many repetitions these guys were getting, that absolutely was true because those other guys, the number four receiver at Miami just did not play at all, you know, barely got reps. And so at the very least, they want to play six Rambo, at least get you into four. Now you only need a couple more guys to, to jump in there. Um, but I think also too, the importance of that is just giving those guys a break. Look, if Mark and D aren't having a good game or whoever, or even if it's Mike not having a good game, then, you know, you've got this other guy that can really produce. And um, maybe going into last year, you were hoping or thinking that it would be Jeremiah Payton and it just didn't pan out to be that number four guy to, to really give him some relief. Um, so, yeah, I, I think expecting a lot out of Rambo um, to, to just automatically be better than Mike, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think if that happens, I think, I think that really would, um, it would almost, sh- it would almost seem like it would be a, a knock on, on Mike and what he's doing rather than a uplifting Charleston. If that even makes any sense. I just think Mike, this team needs Mike to be one of the best or best players on the team. So Miami does want, they, they certainly want competition at that position group. They want guys to push Mark Pope, D Wiggins, even Charleston Rambo for their snaps. Right. And, and let's include Jeremiah Payton in this mix. Which one of these guys intrigue you the most? And like, Jeremiah Payton, Keyshawn Smith, Michael Redding, Xavier Restrepo. Does, does one of them intrigue you more than the others? You know, just that we haven't seen much of these guys, but just the little bit we have seen. Uh, who, who would you say you have your eye on? One of my biggest issues with the wide receiver group is that they don't have a big receiver. You know, mm-hmm. Dean Wiggins is tall, but he's, you know, he's lean. They don't have one of those. And we saw it last year. It felt like David, it felt like every single game we're watching, like, man, look at who's on the other side of the field. They're going 6'3", 210. Miami doesn't have that, or 220. Right. Miami doesn't have one of those guys. So I am intrigued by Michael Redding the third if he can develop into this, because he's got the biggest body at the receiver yeah. position. So can he develop, you know, and be one of those really steady guys? It's a guy that the staff liked, but in and out of the lineup last year, you know, injury dealing with stuff. So will he develop? I think that's something to watch for. However, even though I like the biggest, the big receivers, I think it's great to have. I, I'm most intrigued by Keyshawn Smith. I love his downfield yeah. ability. I like his speed. I've been in touch with his trainer. There, there's positive things to like about Keyshawn moving forward. And, and I think it's clear to see, you know, if you've been locked into the Hurricanes, not, you know, it's not one of those guys you'll see all the time. But if you notice Keyshawn Smith, that means you're locked into the game all four quarters because he doesn't get a ton of reps, but, um, and just the two catches last year. But again, if you're locked in paying attention, you saw drawn penalties um, that don't show up in in the stat sheet, but he's a guy, he's the guy I'm I'm most intrigued by. Although I think Redding has that big body ability. And I think Keyshawn is a guy that I, I, I honestly expect to emerge from that group this spring. I think if there's a guy that, you know, the listeners of this podcast that he's not necessarily going to come out of nowhere. Right. But maybe to the average Miami hurricanes fan, if there's a guy on this offense that comes out of nowhere uh, year over year, 
I think it's, it would be Keyshawn Smith. I think he's got a chance to honestly be wide receiver one. If, if he reaches his, his maximum potential, um, I think he will be wide receiver one in time. I'm not sure it will be in 2021, but I think he has that ability and I'm with you. I, if I'm Miami this spring, I make it a point of emphasis to really get him going this spring, get that confidence up and kind of, you know, make it clear that, Hey, we need you to be that downfield guy in this offense so that, you know, the attack can take that next step. And and maybe just thinking about Keyshawn and kind of the spring, maybe that's what we're looking for in in spring ball with the quarterback. Maybe it's something like we want to see a young quarterback connect with a young receiver. So, this duo can really emerge when that's both of their times, whenever that, that might come. Um, so maybe, you know, if you start hearing, hearing that every single key, Keyshawn big play is coming from Tyler or whatever the name connection might be, maybe that's something that you'll be looking for forward to because you're always looking ahead to the future. So um, we had it planned to talk tight ends. I think we're kind of at the uh, hour mark here. So let's cut it short. We'll, we'll include tight ends in the next podcast. Next podcast, we're going to, we're going to talk about the trenches, so O-line, D-line, and we'll include tight ends there. Um, but but before we go, Chris, let me just get your overall thoughts on how you view the skill talent now going into this spring. So running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, um, those positions, you know, Miami is pretty much returning everyone, right? They, they're only losing Brevin Jordan, who's a tight end. So, but these, these position groups, um, how do you view them? Like, do, do you think it's, it, the talent is good? Um, or does it, I mean, how do you view them? I guess. Yeah. So in totality, you're looking at depth, right? So yeah. all three running backs can be starters, lead backs for an ACC high caliber team. All three guys can be productive. So you start right there in terms of talent, you've got to evaluate is Miami what, what level is Miami? Are they going to, does this look like a team that can win the ACC in the near future? Um, or are they just going to be, are they going to be this win the division type team? We'll see. I think that that talent is there across the board and moving forward. Talk about the quarterback position. Deere King is a plus level quarterback, one of the best in the country. You like that. I think also, again, with the depth you're looking at, whether whoever you might think it might be, whether it's Tyler or Jake or even Peyton, in particular with Tyler and Jake, you're thinking that one of those guys will be a starting quarterback at Miami. It's not one of those in productive. And again, win eight, nine, 10 games compete for a title. I think that's their future. You're thinking of that. I don't think you're looking at like, Oh man, there's no depth or we've got to go get another quarterback or we've got to have better running backs, the wide receiver position. I mean, how many more receivers do you need to have on a roster to be productive? Most of these guys were four-star recruits. Um, talent is there. There's good speed in this. There's a gr- the group. Somebody should emerge or, you know, multiple guys will need to emerge this year and moving forward. So I think overall the skill talent is good. It's you, you've got to like their skill talent as good or better than uh, most of the teams in the ACC. Right. I and I think that's that. a, I think that's the biggest thing that you're looking for. What level are they? And I think all, all three levels, you again, even though the, the running game wasn't exactly where you want, you know, it's middle of the pack ACC. I still think you like the talent there. And I think that's kind of how it stands across the board. You like the talent at receiver. And certainly, like I said, you can have a bet better or bigger receiver, but overall 
um, you've got to be pretty pleased with the overall depth of the talent and, and it's time to produce that, you know, they need to have a top three, top five offense in the ACC, even though they made improvements last year, being middle of the pack, whether it's rushing or passing or total yards or scoring. I I just think that those days need to be behind them. They need to start pushing to be in the top three offense in the ACC. And I think that's got to be the goal um, for 2021. And I think too, just in general college football, right? The trend is uh, the best offenses win. And you look at the three games Miami lost in 2020, you could make the strong argument that those were the three best offenses uh, Miami win against. And so the ability to score um, and score constantly during a game, in a sense, is a form of defense, right? So um, I think in 2020, a fair way to view it is Derek King had to kind of carry the, put the team on his back. Um, the offense went how Derek went. And I think in 2021, the goal is, okay, can the, op- can the skill players, players around Derek, take that next step, take some pressure off him um, because Derek's going to do what he, what he does. But uh, I, I think there needs to be more playmaking um, whether it's wide receiver or running back from those positions. And I think they have the talent to get it done. Um, it's just a matter of taking that next step. So I think that wraps up our first podcast together here on Through the Smoke. And uh, that was good stuff, Chris. I, I do want to mention, you know, as always, check out the website, InsideTheU.com. Uh, today, um, we, we get a media availability with uh, new outside linebackers coach Ishmael Aristide, along with the transfers, um, Charleston Rambo, Tyreek Stevenson, and DeAndre Johnson. So check out the website for updates with those guys. And uh, again, next episode, Monday, we'll, we'll dive into recruiting some with Gabby Arutia uh, following that Miami Under Armour camp. And uh, it was fun, Chris. Thanks, man. All right, see you.